Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego. And I am Charlotte Pressler, and I am the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we still have uh, no friends with us. (laughs) But we're working on it. We are working on it. It's not that we don't have friends. It's that we're respectful of how busy people are during Christmas. Just a busy time. Yes. A busy time. And we are very respectful. We are. (laughs) Maybe too respectful. Maybe. Maybe. Um, But we will have some guests coming up in the next few weeks uh, back with us. Uh, You'll hear that third voice. I know you're getting tired of hearing just Charlotte and I. Well, if we're truthful, David, we actually will have a third voice tomorrow. Mm. Oh, that's true. (laughs) I, right? see, I see what you're doing there. Right? Because yes. today, you guys are all listening to our traditional Faith to Go podcast, where in just a few minutes, we will discuss the gospel for Epiphany. Mm-hmm. But tomorrow, David and I will have a special edition podcast, complete with a very, very special guest. Very special guest. So this year, uh, the year 2020, which it is right now when you're listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. Um the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego, where we are located, is engaging in a year of discipleship uh, for the year of 2020. That's going Epiphany 2020 to Epiphany 2021. Mm-hmm. And that is going to include this really big, uh, exciting online resource, all using the di- different areas of the way of love throughout the year. So uh, in your podcast feed tomorrow, or maybe it's already there if you're listening to this after Monday, there will be a special episode with the Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego, the Right Reverend Susan Brown Snook, to kind of kick that off because it starts January 6th, uh, Epiphany, the Day of Epiphany. And that is going to include online uh, resources for you wherever you are. You don't have to live in San Diego to use a bunch of these. Uh, so you can engage in this as well. So we're going to move through the whole year, moving through each of those seven way of love areas uh, that have been outlined by the presiding bishop's office and, and presiding bishop Michael Curry. And so we're starting with pray mm-hmm. and epiphany, and that will last uh, up until um, Lent, the beginning of Lent on Ash Wednesday. And every single area will have the same a couple online resources for individuals to use, a couple print resources that you can use, some diocesan-wide offerings that will happen in San Diego, um, but also things for youth and children. Faith to Go is in there as a resource. And so throughout the year, there will be these special episodes that come out with uh, Bishop Susan talking about the upcoming season. So and tomorrow to say- she'll be talking about pray. Yeah, and I have to say, like, I was really excited before we had her on the podcast with us, Mm -hmm. and it far exceeded all of my hopes and Mm. expectations for it. Yeah. She was a really engaging guest, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be really fun for us to be able to explore each of the ways of love a little bit Mm -hmm. prior to focusing on it as a diocese during a season, um, and to sit and talk with Bishop Susan about why she felt called to this year of discipleship and how each area um, can be explored more deeply by all of us yeah so it's going to be a really cool offering it's available to each and every one of you that's listening out there uh well there will always be the faith to go resources on our website www.myfaith2go but you can also go check out 
discipleshipedsd.org, where all of those resources for Discipleship 2020 will be posted throughout the year. So there'll be some crossover with faith to go There'll be some crossover podcasts. Um, please listen all to all of those and, and uh, engage with that material and let us know what you think. Uh, we'll, have some, we'll have a link to that website on our website, and we'll make sure you know about it. So just keep an eye out for those. Get ready for Discipleship 2020, wherever you are. Uh, and we hope that you enjoy those pray resources. So... Uh, speaking of contacting us, we want you to know that we always want to hear from you, uh, your questions, comments, stories from your week of faith discussion. You can email us at faith to go at edsd.org. You can always get in touch with us through the website where you can subscribe and look at all those faith to go resources every, that come out every week, www.myfaithtogo.org. And you can also follow us and contact us through Instagram at faith to go. And now... We are going to get into the gospel for this week, which is the second Sunday of Christmas, the second Sunday after Christmas. And interestingly, uh, the gospel, there were a number of options, but we picked the one that seemed most likely to be in most people's Mm -hmm. uh, bulletins when they get to church on Sunday morning. And that is coincidentally also the gospel reading for Epiphany, which is the day after this Sunday, January 5th. Epiphany is Monday, January 6th. So the gospel for this Sunday and for Epiphany is Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Charlotte is going to read it, and then we are going to get into it with some points. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. From you shall come a ruler who is shepherd, my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. All right. So, uh, this is the reading, both for... Sunday, January 5th, as well as for a for Epiphany, the day of Epiphany, which is January 6th. Epiphany is the feast day of celebrating the arrival of these wise men to Jesus. So that's why we're reading this story today. Uh, and there's a lot of like weird, interesting things in this gospel, I think, that are worth pointing out. The first one is that there are definitely three gifts 
mm-hmm. there's not necessarily three wise men. That's kind of like it doesn't say that there's three people. Correct. You know. Um, the other thing is that this word wise men, which we talked about on the podcast before, is this Greek word magi, or we, you know, some people say magi or or something like that, uh, which is the root word for magician. Mm-hmm. But these people weren't like. They weren't magicians. Uh, it's it's widely thought that they were some sort of religious leaders in the Zoroastrian tradition, uh, which was kind of like a Persian tradition in the to the east of them, of Jerusalem, right? So they are as part of their kind of the expectation uh, in Zoroastrianism are like paying attention to the signs of the universe and. You know, they have, there is a messianic tradition in Zoroastrianism as well. So there's mm-hmm. this kind of this like, the other thing that's happening here then is this kind of like interreligious crossover going on yeah. between these two people, as well as kind of a multinational crossover. So there's like a Jew- Jewish Judaism and Gentile kind of coming together in this story, uh, which has kind of traditionally been uh, an emphasis of the celebration of this feast day. Uh, and then. It's inter- the other thing that's interesting about this to me is this qu- scriptural cro- quotation that Matthew uses. Because Matthew, or the author of Matthew's gospel, is really just doing whatever they want with, with Hebrew scriptures. <laughs> they, <they're, laughs> this is actually... Bending it to as well. That's right. It's so interesting because we get, we get like so... Uh, we get like so kind of particular about you know how we interpret scripture and how we quote it and things like that but like jesus and a a lot of people in hebrew in the new testament are interpreting hebrew scripture just willy-nilly however they want to do it you know so like though both of these this is like a they're just like mashing together uh reading from a scripture from micah and from second samuel and both of those are actually about david and then this is now about jesus you know, mm-hmm. so the thing, the same thing happens in the book of Hebrews a lot. That like the the writer of Hebrews is using all these scriptural quotations and like saying that they're God speaking to the Son and to Jesus. It's so interesting, you know, how we, how like how free flowing it is, you know. And I think that is like a cool invitation to us to be, you know, a little bit more free. Willy nilly, <laughs> willy nilly, like Jesus. <laughs> willy nilly, like Jesus. Be willy nilly, like Jesus. <laughs> that's my takeaway. Yeah, and the other thing I think that's interesting, uh, just to you know, to start to transition into your point, Charlotte, is this this thing about the gifts that they bring, and there is definitely something here about you know they are honoring Jesus as a king. That's how they're referring to him. Mm-hmm. But it's cool that these gifts are are gifts that you would bring for a king. But also, it's interesting that like this myrrh mm-hmm. is an oil for anointing, but it's also an oil for embalming. Yep. Right now, so so even in this, even at this, even at this early stage of Jesus's life, you know, there is anointing oil which the Christ, the Messiah, that is the anointed one. And there is embalming oil, you mm-hmm. know, the one that will suffer and die. Mm-hmm. So this is all, 
this is all kind of being held together in Jesus from the very beginning and kind of, you know, unfolding and developing throughout his life. And I think that that actually goes nicely into my point, because this king that we're waiting on isn't a king like you normally think of. And that's part of why, like when we consider the myrrh, we consider not only it for anointing, but that it's a king who has come to die um, for our sins, right? So that we might be redeemed. And then as we explore the idea of kingship, well, we all have an image of what that looks like. Maybe it's a big gold crown with the jewels all emblazoned in it. It's fancy robes. It's palaces and castles. Like when you hear the word king, an image pops to mind just like that. But this isn't a king like that. The only crown that Jesus ever wore was a crown of thorns. And that crown of thorns was right before he was going to die mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. And it's very different than what the idea of God coming down from heaven to be king maybe originally comes to in our minds. And so as we explore the idea of this different kind of king, I also want us to consider what it means to be crowned and maybe the different ways in which we experience both our best and our least fine qualities in ourselves Um, and the ways in which maybe we are quick to pat ourselves on the back and to put a crown on our head and to say, look at me, I did this right, I get a gold star um, or a shiny crown, and this is wonderful and great about me. But a lot of times, shiny crowns have tarnish underneath. Um, A lot of times, um, shiny crowns are covering up something that maybe we wish that the entire world didn't see. And it's when we choose to take those crowns off, those crowns of greatness, that we actually allow ourselves to live into a message of greatness and to choose instead to follow the path that's outlined for us in the gospel and that Jesus presents over and over again, a path of kindness, a path of connection, a path of opportunity for for those that are left out or left behind, um, a path that's counterintuitive to everything that maybe we expect and we believe as human beings, because that is the gospel message is that we need to do it this other way. And so I'd like to consider like what kind of crown, what kind of king are we looking for? What kind of crown are we visualizing, right? And I think that there is some offering somewhere in between this crown of thorns that Jesus took upon himself and this shiny crown that we picture on a royal king. And instead, maybe crowns can be things that are put on and taken off as we need them. Maybe crowns can be crowns of kindness, Um, Maybe crowns can be other attributes that we want to perceive in ourselves and to embody for others, and especially in this season of epiphany, because I know that last week, David, we talked a lot about darkness and how darkness isn't necessarily the opposite of light, but epiphany is the season of light. And so therefore, it is a season in which we try to focus on being our best self, on showing our light to the world. And it's an opportunity for new growth and developing some of our better qualities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And to think of, you know, that thinking of like what a, a different kind of king is, what a different kind of crown to wear is to take a cue from Jesus and to be able to live into what really is and always has been a kind of countercultural way of understanding power and uh authority and you know that kind of king king position as a person not who 
makes decision base makes decisions based on how to further empower themselves, but how to empower other people to to give power away is kind of like the most powerful thing that we can do, mm-hmm. and and to like Jesus did wearing a crown of thorns, recognize that that in weakness we are like inhabiting a new kind of power. You know, that there is a power in weakness and in humility and in in, you know, being being authentic about what is going on with us and about our suffering and and about being with other people who are suffering and recognizing weakness in ourselves and in others and living in solidarity in that. Mm-hmm. weakness instead of taking advantage of it which or judging be, it right mm-hmm. right so uh for me the thing that jumped out uh, from this passage was again a th- something that has been coming up as we've read matthew's gospel and the nativity stories of matthew's gospel uh and it is about this god coming to people in dreams again because uh, here at the end uh, it says that having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, the wise men left their, for their own country by another road. And I think this is just so interesting. I think it's interesting for a number of reasons. It's like this, this um, indication that God's like, guidance and, and communication with, the peop- with, like, with people does not end after Jesus is born. You know, like God was very active in communicating through angels and dreams and things like that uh, leading up to Jesus's birth, but that God's movement in the world is not stopping. Another thing about it is that God doesn't, it, it seems like if we're talking about a, a, a kind of God of this kind of classical idea of an all-powerful, all-knowing God, that if God wanted to protect Jesus, mm-hmm. God could have done so by God's self. Yeah. You know. But it seems like the way that God works in the world is not through through kind of like a direct changing of events in human history, but working through and with people, you know. And so that to protect, to like work for the protection of this child is to work through these wise men and not to do anything to Herod, not to stop Herod, not to take Herod away, but to like work through and with the people in the, in the events themselves. And, and so that, that, that kind of leads to the like more specific point that I wanted to highlight, which was this idea, this continued idea of people paying attention to their own intuitions about the realities that underlie what is, what is being presented to them. You know, we talked about Joseph, having made up his mind to leave Mary quietly and very mercifully and kindly and let her just kind of go in a different direction than him, mm-hmm. you know, and how the, the inbreaking of this angel, this messenger of God into his dream was this intuition to stay and take part in something that was going on below the surface that wasn't readily apparent to him, some reality of God that was happening. And so I I like this because these wise men are not, you know, part of this kind of cultural milieu. They not they're not part of this society. They have no reason to doubt Herod. They have no reason to think he's got motives anything other than the ones he tells them he has. But part of their wisdom is 
is listening to their intuition. You know, it's like listening to their gut and the way that they, they are kind of like intuition is speaking to them in their dreams. However you want to think about that intuition manifesting itself. But whatever it is, they are, to me, practicing this, like, this, this deep kind of discernment about the world uh, and using that, that discernment kind of wisdom. That there is, this, there is this really profound wisdom in, like, knowing the truth of a situation beyond just what is being presented to you. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's always more going on than is readily apparent. And that we are all in touch. We all have the capacity to be in touch with that intuition in ourselves. You know, we all have that gift of wisdom. And it's really just about being present with ourselves, listening to those intuitions. And just like we said about Joseph, they probably could have woken up and been like, well, that was a weird dream. Let's go talk to Herod. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they don't because they they trust themselves, you know, in a way. You know, they they trust that that it is possible to know things beyond what is being presented to you, to know things at a deeper level of knowing. And we all have that capacity, I think, in ourselves. So that we, it made me think of this way that Henry Nouwen talks about discernment, that we often think about discernment as something very specific, that we're discerning a call to a specific ministry, or we're discerning a specific decision, that it's kind of like this decision-making process. But Henry Nouwen talks about it as like a, a spiritual practice that is lifelong that we continue to develop where in every experience we are discerning what is true of God in everything and, and, and being able to like see through the reality to where God is moving in things. And I think that they have that kind of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's like a cool example for us. As, as God continues to break into the world and, and communicate with people in the world, and, and it's just, it, to me, it's about us being able to look at, like clean the lens, become that kind of, like Richard Rohr talks about, like a receiver station to be able to know at a deeper level things uh, and ways that we are being called to participate with God. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that about them. So that is... Th- you know, two points and a bunch of fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> they were fun. Uh, if you want to call the first part a point, um, you know, it was about uh, these these wise men and uh, their identities as these religious leaders from the East, this interesting interreligious dialogue that's going on in this story, and uh, the gifts that they bring for Jesus and what they mean. Number two was Charlotte's, and it was about the kind of crown that Jesus wears and the invitation to us to try on different kinds of crowns and think about kingship and power in different kinds of ways based on Jesus' example. And then number three was about uh, discernment and the wisdom of these wise people and how they were courageous in their decision to not go back to Herod and in their ability to listen to themselves and make decisions based on their intuition, the way that they knew God was talking to them. So having heard that discussion, Charlotte is going to read the gospel one more time and see if you hear anything different this time through. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, 
and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into this week of the Faith to Go podcast uh, for the week of January 5th. We hope you all have had a, a exciting and safe new year. We hope you had a blessed and joyful Christmas season. And we hope you are going to kick off the season after Epiphany uh, with a bang yes. and some light. By listening to tomorrow's podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Introducing uh, The Way of Love, Discipleship 2020, uh, with our special guest, Bishop uh, Susan Brown Snook. Check that out in your podcast feed now. It should be the episode right after this one. Uh, unless you're listening to this on Sunday, then you just have to wait till tomorrow, January 6th. Uh, we would love to hear from you if you've got any uh, questions, comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion or from your pageant. Mm-hmm. faith to go at edsd.org or through our website myfaith2go.org or on Instagram at faith to go where you can follow us uh, please go and rate and review this podcast to help other people find it share it with a friend and until next time we say goodbye goodbye, goodbye everyone everybody.